Welcome back for episode three of the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. We're coming from you from the Center for Media Innovation here at Point Park University alongside Tony Rosetti. I'm Justin Stewart, and we're back, baby. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing incredible. I had my most today. I saw you became a home wrecker today. And when I mean home record, not literally. We both went the Moe's. Yeah, man. Moe's, so Moe's is my spot every every week when I get a chance to have some free time before classes or whatnot. I go to Moe's for uh, lunch or dinner, just depending on the time of day. So that's that's my that's my spot to go. But yeah, I, I know you uh, have some stories to tell as regards to March Madness and going to the games, the first and second rounds here in Pittsburgh. What was your experience like? My experience was great. I got to see Sister Jean when... Ohio State played Loyola. Honestly, I've watched sixth grade basketball better than that game. Uh, Loyola shot 23% from the field, 25% from three, and 25% from the line. So, with that being said, um, Ohio State obviously won the game, but they didn't play that much better either. Uh, The second games, I saw uh, Villanova and Delaware. I got to see my boy Colin Gillespie go off. Delaware put up a fight in the first half. That was a pretty good game. The night games were Illinois and Chattanooga. That one went down to the wire. You know, I talked about Chattanooga and their defense, and they did come to play. It just so happens that Kofi Coburn was just a little too big for them. But, you know, the last game was very exciting, Houston and UAB. Houston won that. Um, And then on Sunday, I saw Villanova beat Ohio State to go to the Sweet 16, and I also saw um, Houston beat Illinois to go to the Sweet 16. And that brings me to Houston, which I honestly, I'm going to say it now, I didn't originally have this on my bracket. I think they're going to beat Arizona. They are just a complete team. And mind you, they don't have their best player who got hurt early in the season. And they were just firing on all cylinders. Edwards was. Tanjay Moore was. Fabian White Jr. played really good against UAB. Tough team to beat. Made the Final Four last year. They're not a five seed. This team's a three or two seed. It just so happens they're not in a great conference. Yeah, I don't know about you guys out there, the audience, but my bracket is completely busted right now. I had Kentucky, and I also had Auburn making it to the Final Four, and obviously both those teams lost last week. Kentucky in stunning fashion to St. Peter's, who was this year's version of a Cinderella story. They're coming out of the MAC Conference, which... Side note, my uncle played in the MAC Conference for Siena back in the late 90s to early 2000s. So it's great to see a MAC team actually go farther past the round of 64. But that's a whole different different story for another day. We have that, and then we have Auburn losing to Miami. I believe it was Miami. It was Miami, yep. Yeah, I had them in the championship game against Gonzaga, which, you know, my Gonzaga pick is still holding up. But they haven't looked too hot either. And I think that's what makes March Madness, you know, March Madness. Because in a one-game situation... Both teams' backs are against the wall. It's anyone's game to win. So even even the team you think, those 15, 16 seeds, I mean, you got to watch out for them, man. I mean, we just saw a few years ago, Virginia lost to UMBC, and they didn't just lose. They got their butts beaten. You know, I think this weekend's games are going to be just as exciting, if not better. We have better matchups, of course, because, you know, the farther you go down this tournament, the more teams, you know, rise to the occasion and um, show you what they got. You know, like you mentioned, the Houstons, the Texas Techs of the Worlds, the Providences. I mean, those are those are teams with a lot left to prove. Yeah, I actually have Texas Tech in my Final Four this year. And, you know, but I'm going to go back to, we'll get to that later, but with St. Peter's, like you said, MAAC, you know, the Metro Atlantic. That's a underrated conference, as they proved. 
St. Peter's, you know, they asked their coach, were you intimidated by Kentucky? And he was like, no, I'm not. We got a bunch of kids from Jersey. We got a bunch of kids from New York. This team plays a physical brand of basketball. I think that they run into some issues with Edie and Ivy this week against Purdue. But, I mean, if they if they get physical, if they shoot like they've been shooting, you know, they got a chance to win against Purdue as well. And uh, Miami versus, Ohio, versus Iowa State. I did have Iowa State over LSU, but I wouldn't have predicted Miami and Iowa State. Granted, I did think, so I had North Carolina over Baylor, but I had... I had Kentucky coming out of that section, so. Uh, but I will say this about um, about uh, the whole ACC. Is there proof in that, like, even though the ACC is down, they're still a very, very good conference? And you know, UNC's proved it, Miami's proved it, and you know, the Big Twelve has also proved their worth with Iowa State coming out, Texas Tech, you know, beats Notre Dame. Texas Tech's another team. You know, you have Terrence Shannon, you have, you know, Abenor. You also have, uh, you know, Santos Silva, who's really good defensively. That whole team just locks you down. They play physical. Uh, at the tail end of that Notre Dame game, you, you saw them. I think that's what's going to get to Gonzaga if they do have to meet with them. That's if Gonzaga gets by Arkansas. They just are one of those teams that really pound you when you try to go inside of the paint. And we saw Shet Holmgren, you know, if, if Duran doesn't get in foul trouble, Duran played very good against Shet Holmgren. And I think that if Gonzaga runs into a physical team like Texas Tech, where if Arkansas, you know, they're an experienced team with Note and Tony, Audis Tony, and just their whole team is pretty stacked, I think they can run into some issues. No, yeah, that's for sure. And I, and I mentioned it in last week's episode about Gonzaga. Every year we have them as a one or two seed, and we think, oh, you even see with people that pick – in the brackets. So the group I'm in, there's about 40 of us. A lot of people will pick Gonzaga to win it all. And, you know, I think we fall into this trap every year. And, you know, this year might be different. We don't know. We still have games to play. You know, Gonzaga every year, I feel like around this time time of the tournament, the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, even the Final Four, somewhere along the line, someone comes and they just punch them right in the mouth. And next thing you know, they're out of the tournament. I mean, you know, outside of last year, where they made it to the championship game, I mean, this team really hasn't been a factor in the Final Four, and they've been like a consistent team in the tournament for the past 25 years. So, I mean, Gonzaga, yeah, they have the, they have the talent. You know, you, you alluded to it. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this weekend and didn't make it to the Final Four. I also wouldn't be surprised if they somehow managed to win the championship this year. So it's just kind of like give or take at this point with Gonzaga. But I think right now you have to still have them as the favorites, unless you want to get on that Duke bandwagon, which, you know, it's Coach K's final year. And if everything goes to plan, the stars are aligning where I could see Duke making it to the Final Four this year. Yeah, I think if they can get – I think the one year of Texas Tech and Duke can very easily get to the finals. And I'm still not going to count out Gonzaga because they're awfully talented with Nemhard, Holmgren, Timmy, Strother. The team is still stacked, but I do think – that Duke winning against Michigan State, I mean, I, there was no confidence at the tail end of the ACC tournament. I'm seeing a lot of confidence out of Duke now, especially with Banchero, you know, with Wendell Moore, with Mark Williams. There's a sense of confidence there now. They're, they came to play this tournament, and, yeah, the game was close against Michigan State. You know, it's Tom Izzo and Michigan State still, so... They look good. Um, it's going to be a very tough matchup against Texas Tech. Notre Dame played them really tough. Duke's a little bit better than Notre Dame, but Notre Dame made it decently far 
in the ACC tournament. So, I mean, got to play it by year. I think Duke and Texas Tech will probably be the premier game for this coming week. No, you couldn't say any better. Do you have anything else regarding March Madness? Or do you think you want to switch gears and talk about something else? No, that's pretty much it. I I have one more thing. Like Providence and Kansas should be a really good game, and same with UNC and UCLA. I think it's important to note that UCLA made a very good run last year and honestly kind of got unlucky with the Jalen Suggs half-court shot. I think they won vengeance. I think UCLA has a good shot to make the Final Four. And Honestly, if UCLA wins and Purdue wins, I'd love to see a UCLA and Purdue Elite Eight matchup. Speaking of ACC teams, we got to talk about you know Boston College since we were just talking about ACC teams. See what I did? Anyways... You know who went to Boston College? Matt Ryan. Oh, uh, Matt Ryan, yep. And you know where Matt Ryan's going now? He's going to the Indianapolis Colts. How do you feel about that? All right, so my initial reaction was like, whatever, it's fun. I mean, the Colts, I don't think, they're in the same predicament I think they have been the past five years. They don't have an elite quarterback anymore. Matt Ryan at one point was an elite quarterback, but that time has passed, and clearly if you watched even the semblance of game film last year Matt Ryan is not the same player as he was back in 2016 when he won the MVP and the Falcons went to the Super Bowl Matt Ryan to me he's like a Carson Wentz or a Philip Rivers you know Jacoby Brissett those kind of guys they're gonna run the offense through Jonathan Taylor again and they're gonna ask Matt Ryan to make the occasional throw which you know I, I would say the difference between Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz is you know Matt Ryan's not gonna throw a terrible pick he's pretty careful with the football and he's not erratic so you do have stability from that standpoint at the quarterback position for the Colts. But I think Wentz at this point in their careers has more upside than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan isn't as mobile anymore. I mean, he never was known for his more mobility. But his arm, I don't think there isn't as much life to his arm as there has been in past years. And, yeah, Indianapolis still doesn't really have any great receivers. I mean, outside of Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton's kind of getting up there in age. And tight ends, kind of like it's it is what it is. And yeah, wide receiver, like their wide receiver room is kind of thin. I think that's a area of focus they need to target in the draft as well. Otherwise, their defense is, I would say, it's top five, top ten. Obviously, like headlined by Darius Leonard, very good defense. But yeah, quarterback. Honestly, I think it would have been made more sense if they would have gone after Baker Mayfield, because I think Baker Mayfield, you know, he's younger, come he's still on his rookie deal, and he has a lot left to prove. Matt Ryan at this point in his career, I just I'm not really a fan of the trade, but the Colts will you know they'll be good because they're in a bad division. You know the Titans kind of have question marks to me. I know they added Robert Woods, but Henry's durability I don't know like how he'll be durable from here on out since he got hurt last year. And you know AJ Brown, you know you have AJ Brown, but you know Robert Woods is coming off an injury as well. And you know people were kind of down on Ryan Tannehill towards the end of last year because he wasn't really that good to be honest with you. So yeah, the Titans. I'm sure they'll be good, too. They'll probably be a playoff team. If not, they'll be in the hunt. What about you? What do you think about the trade? No, I agree. I still think Matt Matty Ice still has something left in the tank. Them running it through Jonathan Taylor will actually help him more than hurt. Just it takes the pressure off. I mean, think about it. His whole career for Atlanta has been pressured in the whole entire time. Like They've always been like, granted, they had Todd Gurley. For the most part, they were, a, they were a pretty, like, pass for his team for a long time but I have a hot take for you and uh, they traded Carson Wentz to the commanders when Chase Young is fully healthy on that defense 
And with, you know, McLaurin coming back, and yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. Give me the commanders to win that division. You know what? Okay, so you said that earlier, and I first thought you were crazy. But when you think about it, though, the commanders, you know, they have a good running back situation with Gibson and uh, McKissick. And then, you know, Terry McLaurin at wide receiver as well. I think they should add a tight end, another tight end. And I think, you know, receiver also, again, is another area of need for them. Because, you know, after McLaurin, there's quite a big drop-off in my opinion. But, yeah, if Carson Wentz can, like, somehow recapture that 2017 form where he was in the MVP talks. And even last year, the first, like, three-fourths of the season, he was actually not bad. Because they weren't asking him to do too much. And then once that happened, and everything just kind of unraveled. But, yeah, Carson Wentz to the Commanders, I'm not really high on the pick either. I don't think he's their long-term option at quarterback. Considering the Cowboys pretty much get, got rid of everyone and they're not really signing anyone and they haven't really made any splash moves to really improve their roster. You know, we still have the draft and stuff, so there's still time. But, yeah, I think the Cowboys can potentially take a step back. And, you know, the Eagles too. I think the Eagles can be good too. You know, Jalen Hurts, if he can get his act together and actually be a good quarterback and not be inconsistent, I think, yeah, they have a shot too. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's potential for the commanders to be good. And You mentioned it. Chase Young will be back. Hopefully he, he regains his rookie year form where he was absolutely a beast. You know, Montez Sweat as well missed most of last year too. So, Beast from yeah. Mississippi State too way back in the day. Uh, I would say, though, like their defense – wasn't really great last year. You know, obviously that the two guys were hurt. But yeah, if their defense can somewhat capture that 2020 magic, I mean, yeah, the, you know, they they have a better quarterback now. Who knows? Yeah, no. And I just think like it's the division too. Like if you put them in the AFC West, like Oh, they're a last place team. I think every team in that division would be last in the FC West. Yeah, but uh, you know, speaking of divisions, Deshaun Watson goes to the Cleveland Browns, which is like that whole entire division now. I mean, Trubisky's like the odd man out for great mm. quarterbacks in the division, which we were. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to see how Trubisky does. But I mean, you got Watson on the Browns, Jackson on the Ravens, and you have uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joey B. You know, Joe Shiesty. Joe Shiesty. You know, brr, brr. <laughs> for former Ohio State quarterback yeah, at first, and then he transfers to LSU. Underdog story. You know, I love the underdog story. That's why I picked South Dakota State in my tournament bracket and failed miserably. But anyways, um, the Browns get Deshaun Watson, and, you know, they have Amari Cooper now. So it's going to be a different look for Cleveland. What do you think about the deal? Yeah, so Cleveland, I don't think – I think you should tamper your expectations in regards to Deshaun Watson. For this reason, his legal situation has kind of been halfway settled. It's not completely settled. So there's there's a chance for him to get suspended at least the first half of this year. So if you're the Browns, you know, obviously they signed Jacoby Brissett to be his backup. You're most likely looking at a scenario where you have Jacoby Brissett start, you know, half your games. And, you know, maybe you can go 4-4, four and four, game under 500. But I don't think this is the Browns' year. I think next year, if Deshaun Watson can get his legal situations cleared up and he can actually, like, play football without being worried, worrying about being suspended, you know, I think, you know, then we can talk. And, you know, I know people are like, oh, they gave up three thir- first-round draft picks. Yeah, they did, but this is the Browns we're talking about. They have, they haven't had an elite quarterback going back to Otto Graham, and that was the 1950s. So imagine being a franchise that's been mostly inept for the majority of their existence, especially the past 25, 30 years. You know, when you have a chance to go after a quarterback like that, I mean, you got to go for it. And obviously, they threw him all this guaranteed money, which is absolutely absurd. 
$230 million, which I fell out of my chair. But, yeah, when you get a quarterback of that that nature, you have to go for it. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for them like with the salary cap in the coming years to add talent around them, which is why the draft will be important for them. But my whole spiel is, like, the Steelers, we see the Steelers, they're, they're like, they're adding pieces, they're filling in holes to, to like, their in their weaknesses, like their O-line, their defense, like, they're improving their team. But the quarterback position, I don't care how good your team is out to the quarterback, if you don't have an elite quarterback or anyone remotely resembling an elite quarterback, it's hard to win in this league. And the Browns have something very few teams do, and they have a franchise-caliber player at quarterback. So while they might get weak in the coming years, like with the talent around Watson, they're still going to be a viable contender in my eyes, you know. So the Bengals, I know people, they're like, they're a sleeper to make the Super Bowl. Well, they're not, they're not a sleeper anymore. They're they're a legit contender, let's be real. But, yeah, I think the Bengals will be one of the favorites to come out of the AFC next year. But, yeah, you have to think about the Bengals too. They're going to have to come up and make decisions. Jamar Chase, I know they definitely want to extend him. He's going to be a free agent. You know, Joey B, he's going to want, going to want probably $45, $50 million a year. So, yeah, those are things you have to think about. And, you know, the Steelers, while they did improve their team because their quarterback – isn't me making $40 million a year anymore. They're able to like to improve their team. But yeah, the Steelers, like in this instance, I think they're a fourth place team. But yeah, I mean, the Browns, going back to the main point, the Browns are definitely, when Watson is there, and if Amari Cooper uh, is still there, and if Nick Chubb still holds up, and they can draft like another receiver, like a legit receiver. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but he can't be a number two. I think he's a number three. You add like a Gary Wilson or a... Chris Olave from Ohio State, you know, you have a legit shot to win a championship, I think. And their defense is good enough. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, kid from Virginia, too. I, I don't know. Is he in the draft that Hicks from uh, Virginia? I think he is. No, I, Wicks. I, Wicks is the last name. I, I have to double check. I'm not I think sure he might be coming back. But, yeah, dude, there's wide receivers available. Olave from Ohio State's oh, a, yeah. a big one, you mm-hmm. know. I think if they do add him, like, there's going to be a problem in Cleveland there. Like, in, in like, not for Cleveland, but for teams playing Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I do want to just, like, touch up on, like, Vaughn Miller getting oh, gosh. six years for the Bills, which, I mean, obviously this helps the Bills a ton because they were that close to, you know, closing in and making it to the Super Bowl, and they wanted that extra piece, and they got it. I mean, six years for a 33-year-old is, that's a lot. $50 million guaranteed, um... I guess I like the signing because I like Von Miller a lot, but at the same time, it's just the the length and the amount of money they're giving him. Yeah, I mean, whoever Von Miller's agent is, he 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 deserves a raise in his own right, and he should get a steak dinner every day for the rest of his life. Six years, one hundred twenty million dollars. You know, if if I was Buffalo, you know, I think a three year deal for like fifty mil that'd make a ton of sense. But a six year contract, one hundred twenty million dollars, that that's just absurd to me. And obviously, you know, you have guaranteed money, so it's not like a astronomical like signing deal that they just made but yeah Vaughn Miller is 33 years old and I thought he was good last year but he wasn't 2015 Vaughn Miller this is the 2022 Vaughn Miller we're getting here he's, he's not as explosive he's a lot older so will he help Buffalo in the short term I think so but long term I don't think it's gonna drastically alter the way their defense play their defense was already good so he'll help you know veteran leadership he's been there done that you know, two Super Bowls now, so he knows what it takes to win a, win a Super Bowl and a championship. And I think that's a good fit for Buffalo, who's still trying to get to that elusive Super Bowl. Yeah, no, and you couldn't have said it any better with the Bills. I think, I obviously think that they still run that division this year. I don't know, they're just like, 
Still have Josh Allen. Oh, no, that no. division's definitely weak. I think the Patriots got worse, too. I mean, speaking of teams we haven't talked about, the Patriots have definitely gotten worse. And, you know, the Jets are still rebuilding. And the Dolphins, I have no idea, like, what direction they're going in. You know, Tua, you know, I think Tua, you know, if they shore up that offensive line, maybe they can be good. But Miami, their defense, I think, is pretty good. But offensively, I just don't know what what I, what I have in with the Dolphins. And that that's kind of concerning because in the in this version of the NFL you have to have offense otherwise you have no shot to win very many games mm-hmm. I do like the signing with I think Cedric Wilson signed with the Dolphins right I believe so yeah I, believe so. I think I do like that being added to them one wide receiver is not going to get you over the hump of like the Bills or like even the Patriots but if Tua could step up obviously I think that you know they showed at the last year that Tua has potential to be a star quarterback in the league. They ended up firing their coach with a winning record, or not a win. What was eight and nine? Like they won like yeah, seven they had won like games. seven games in a row at one point in the season. So, but yeah, the Dolphins like they're they're an interesting team to me. They're not their roster's pretty good, but it's just not good enough to compete. And I feel like their draft should be O line, 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 because their offensive line. We talk about the Steelers having a bad offensive line. I think the Dolphins was just as as worse, if not worse, honestly. Yeah, and just like for example, like. The Bengals O line. Like, oh gosh! Like Joey B got hurt, he went down. But now you're seeing them start to develop, and you know they need a, an, an extra piece for the O line. Yeah, it just ad- shows how big like an O line yeah. can play. Yeah, they've added they've added a few pieces on, in free agency as well. And I feel like, you know they're a team that's pretty much set. They might I think they need a tight end too, the Bengals. But other, outside of tight end, they're pretty much set at almost every position. You know, and if they can draft maybe another two offensive linemen, your team's instantly better. And, yeah, they're going to be good. As long as Joey B, Joe Shiesty can stay upright, they have a chance. And I think they are legit Super Bowl contenders. And I, I wouldn't – I thought three years ago I would have said you were crazy if you told me the Bengals in year two of their rebuild will make the Super Bowl. I, even going back to when everyone was, like, up in arms, oh, my gosh, they drafted Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. Like, I didn't like the pick either. But, you know, obviously I was – Jamar Chase shut me up, and he had one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time. So, you know, the, the sky's the limit in Cincinnati right now. Just drafting a wide receiver that went with the quarterback in college, it worked out. And maybe, you know, whoever drafts Pickett this year will draft Addison the next year. So, the only the only thing it really didn't work out for was uh, Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Uh, Mason Rudolph, uh, my man's been taking a lot of elders recently uh, off the field and on the field, so I, I don't know. Maybe, I think, honestly, I think what the Steelers should do with Mason Rudolph, have him, like, start, not start in preseason, but have him get some reps, throw some game film out there of some of his better plays, and see if a team's willing to trade for him, and maybe he can get a fresh start. Cause I just think Pittsburgh, it's not working out. It was a bad pick from the start. They had him as a first round. They graded him, the front, the general manager in the front office, graded him as a first-round draft pick. I mean, that's absurd to me. Another team that made some moves was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, gosh. So I just want to talk about, you know, Christian Kirk's massive contract, Zay Jones signing, and Evan Engram. They're obviously making sure that, you know, Trevor Lawrence has someone to throw to. I like the amount of depth they have in the receiving core, but they did spend a lot of money. So I'm on the side where it's like Trevor Lawrence needs pieces. The guy is elite. I mean, he can be elite is what I'm saying. Uh, Just watching him in college, the way he throws, and even he showed it this year from bits and pieces, I think he could be the real deal, and I think 
getting one or two receivers is what they needed, but they got three. So I personally like it. I actually I don't like him. Um, you didn't get Devontae Adams. Heck, you didn't even get Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's better than all those guys you just mentioned. Christian Kirk, I like. He's a reliable number two, number three. Um, he's okay. But uh, Zay Jones, they overpaid for him. And then who was the third receiver you mentioned? Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah, people, he was terrible with the Giants. Um, he had a good year. He made a Pro Bowl one year. But otherwise, he's kind of been all over the place. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now, could, he, could all those guys flourish in Jacksonville? Absolutely. But, yeah, you you spend that much money on wide receivers when you can go in the draft. And, you know, the draft is always loaded with wide receivers. You can never – this is why running backs are replaceable and wide receivers to a degree are also replaceable. You can find like, these guys in the draft as well. And, you know, the draft, once again, is loaded with wide receiver talent. And you're just going to spend all this money on wide receivers. And then, you know, their defense isn't very good. <laughs> their offensive line is not very good either. So, you know, obviously they can tackle those things in the draft. But I would have shored up their offensive line and gotten a few veteran pieces. Same with defense. Why they didn't bring back Miles Jack is a is a head scratch for me. He's only 26 years old. At some point, when you're a team rebuilding, you need to add competent veteran leadership to your squad. We say this. I know I'm switching gears here. We say this about teams like the Pirates. You have to keep pieces. You can't just keep letting guys go and trading them for assets. It's, it's just not, it's not healthy for your team. It's not healthy for your culture. It's not healthy for sports in general it's not and you know Jacksonville I like the Doug Peterson hiring I think he's a good coach um you know things didn't kind of end well in Philadelphia but he won a Super Bowl so he has he has credibility more so than Urban Meyer but that's a whole another story for another day uh but yeah Doug Peterson has credibility and I think Trevor Lawrence will be better um the receivers are good I'm not gonna knock Christian Kirk Zay Jones you know he was okay but yeah Christian Kirk do they still have Marvin Jones too I'm not 100% sure. Because I, I like Marvin Jones, the receiver, I too. think they do, honestly. Okay, so if you have Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk, that's a that's a, that's a a serviceable uh, wide receiver room right there. Yeah, he's still with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, so you got three. I mean, if you have someone's going to be guarding, your number one guy is going to be guarding, you know, Christian Kirk, or even I mean, the way Marvin Jones played last year. Yeah. He was okay. more so, than solid. So I, I think, you know, getting Zade, I think that opens up a ton. It's just like you said, though. They do need to build, like, a veteran presence on that line, and maybe they go full, you know, Cincinnati Bengals on us. And Oh, yeah, they make the Super Bowl this year. They didn't have a line, and their defense was very shaky, but it's solid now on both sides. So, so I mean, maybe Jacksonville can, like, duplicate what the Bengals did. Yeah, I mean, unless Jamar chases us somewhere, I don't know where he's at. I mean, no, okay, but seriously, though, uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence should be better this year. I don't know how much better he'll get. But yeah, they have they have a their team. I I just don't like where it's heading. I think Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think he's he's honestly screwed. I don't think that's the really that much of a hot take. Cause just considering how much of a dumpster fire Jacksonville is, I I think he's gonna be gone in four or five years. I I wouldn't want to stay there. It's just a culture. It's a losing culture. It's not known to, uh, for winning. So their owners just. Owner's terrible. Uh, front office isn't very good. Coaching hires have been questionable at best in the past few years. So, yeah, I don't really see Jacksonville, really. And not to mention they uh, they had James Robinson, who undrafted, had a great rookie year. And then they draft Travis Etienne, who we, we didn't even mention because he, he was hurt pretty much all of last year. So, okay, you have Etienne as well. So, I guess, hypothetically, I don't know what they were going to do with him because he can play wide receiver and he can be running back. So I don't know if you want to split the carries between him and Robinson. So if you if you had ETN, I changed my mind actually. 
they have a good receiving core. And if you had ETN, if James Robinson can be somewhat what he was his rookie year, okay, maybe Jacksonville can be a lot better than I actually think they probably were previously, actually. So I changed my mind about that. Jacksonville, I think, offensively, I think they should be much better. If that's if everything pans out, that's, that's key. If everything pans out. It's but a big if because you still have big if. the Titans and Colts, I still think are better. But I'm just saying, like, a couple years down the line, they for sure can, like, do at least something. Shoot, even the Texans. Davis Mills looked really good last year. And, like, yeah, you know, they, he pretty much was throwing outside of Brandon Cooks. He was pretty much throwing them to no one. So, like, maybe he's a viable franchise quarterback option as well. I'm not sure about him long term, though, but I definitely know he definitely deserves to start this year again. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and anyways, I'm going to switch gears to uh, just because the trade deadline came up for hockey. Uh, NHL trades, do you just want me to run through each trade? Like, I think that's huge. Yeah, so you know a lot more about hockey than I do, so I think it'd be best if you had kind of went through like each trade and like your thoughts on it because you're more of an expert than I am. All right, yeah, so I'm not going to like get into the details of each trade just so I could run through each one, but I'll just tell you, like, I'm going to grade each one on a scale 1 to 10. Uh, Minnesota Wild, get Marc-Andre Fleury. It's a solid 9. I mean, we've, seen, we've seen how Marc-Andre Fleury plays in the playoffs. Cam Talbot, great start to the year. All-star. He's cold off. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to do a great job in Minnesota, just like he did in Vegas, just like he just did in Chicago, just like he did in Pittsburgh. Good deal right there. Max Domi to the Hurricanes. This is They gave up a lot to get him, but this is a solid... Just because of what they gave up, like seven and a half, eight. Uh, Max Domi, though, I mean, the dude, like, his potential was elite. That's just another score to put on a stacked Hurricanes team. Uh, we'll give it a seven and a half. Mark Giordano to the Maple Leafs, we're going to give this baby a nine because Mark Giordano is a game changer. I mean, without him on the Kraken, who knows where they would be. He was amazing for the Flames. You know, you get a veteran presence. They needed that extra D-man to combat with Mitch Marner, Jason Sp- uh, Why am I saying Jason Spezza? He's not the best player, but I like Jason Spezza, so we're going to say his name anyway. Jason Spezza, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, the leading goal scorer. I mean, the team's the team is like John Tavares. Can't forget to mention him. The team's pretty stacked. They needed that extra D-man. They got it. Give me a 9. Nemestikov to the Stars. That's a good deal. I'm only going to give it a 7, though, because I don't really think that the Stars are going to make the... I mean, I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. I just don't see them getting anywhere. I don't think they're a quick enough skating team. Stars aren't bad, though. I like the trade. Uh, the Rangers get Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets. I like this a lot. Andrew Kopp played with Jacob Truba before, so you could potentially put him on the same line as Truba. Kopp's a good... That's a good... That's a good trade. I'll give it an 8. Uh, Rangers needed that extra extra death piece, so that works out. Avs get... So the Avs already made trades. They already got Josh Manson. Um, I don't think I mentioned, but I like the deal for Manson. They got Andrew Cogliano, too. This is just a eh kind of deal because they don't really need that extra piece of offense. But Andrew Cogliano is one of the quickest players in the league. And just based off of that, I'll give this a a 7.5 because Cogliano is... Well, let's get real. He's really quick. Speed kills in the playoffs. And if you didn't think speed kills with the Avalanche throughout the year as their clear-cut number one team in the league, power rankings-wise, they just got a little bit better with Cogliano. And lastly, the Penguins got more secondary scoring with Rickard Raquel, and they also got a death piece in Nathan Below. Nathan Below was highly touted for Winnipeg, had a few good seasons with them, and they get Raquel, who had 69 points in 2018. Raquel 
is prove that he's going to give you over 40 points every season. And if you put him, you could potentially move him up with Malkin. You could potentially move Rodriguez down. So not to the minors, but like to the line below. I think he'll flourish with that. He started off hot. I think just changing up the lines will help everyone, including Kapanen, Carter, and now especially Raquel on a you know a playoff team coming from Anaheim. I like the deal. Raquel's still 28 years old. Yes, he's like you know still in that prime range. So it's. I like the deal. I like getting that secondary scoring, and I think the Penguins needed a deal like that. Thank you for that big breakdown. I really appreciate it. You know, I do know about Mark Andre Fleury, you know, a longtime goaltender here for the, uh, I would say Pirates. <laughs> uh, shows you how much I know about hockey. Um, yeah, yeah, for the Penguins, obviously, and you know, I do remember at some points fans are up, you know, his, as you know what, because oh, he's a terrible goalie when the playoffs mattered, but you know. He rose to occasion in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I did watch those. So, but yeah, just especially Game Seven in two thousand nine against the Red Wings. Oh, Red Wings! I game remember that save too. on Lindstrom. I yeah. remember that too. So you can't say I'm not completely a hockey fan. But uh, anyway, so one of the last things I wanted to talk about because we didn't get to mention it was Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. What do you think about that move? I think it's a very interesting move. I'm gonna be straight up with you. I think it's a beautiful deal. I I like. Okay, I'm going to say it. I think Derek Carr is – it's well, Derek Carr, I think you can agree with this. It's rather you think he's overrated or underrated. And I think he's underrated. I don't know. He, I mean, he throws for over – upper 3,000s, 4,000 yards like He's like, he's like a – you can like put it in the bank. He's going to throw you – going to pass for like 65, 66% completion percentage. He's going to have 4,000 yards. He's going to give you 20, 25 touchdowns every year. So He's not Aaron Rodgers and he's not Tom Brady. But I like him. I think he's a star quarterback. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's a really good quarterback. And I think putting him with Devontae Adams and still having – I like the Raiders' defense. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say I like the Raiders' defense, but they gave up some points last year now that I think about it. But I think that, you know, based off the other defenses other than the Chargers, like the Chiefs' defense, I mean, they're probably going to lose Honey Badger. Uh, the Chargers' defense is obviously good. I just mentioned that. But, you know – the Broncos' defense, yeah, it's pretty solid. I don't know. That whole division's pretty tough. I can't narrow it down to one team. But what do you, what do you think about Devontae Adams? It gives the Raiders legit number one receiver. If you don't know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr have had a, a long-lasting relationship going back to their days at Fresno State football. They have a connection. I said it before the start of the season. I said if Devontae Adams doesn't go back to the Packers, I said the Raiders would make the most sense because they were lacking that true number one receiver. Now they finally have that, and you add him with Darren Waller. Who's their other receiver? It's a, I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro yes. from Clemson. Yeah, yeah and then you have Josh Jacobs, if he can stay healthy. You know, he's a, he's a productive back. I'm not the biggest Josh Jacobs fan. Just go back to episode one, and i tell you why. But if he can stay relatively healthy, you know, your offense is instantly better. <laughs> so, in their defense, while it doesn't have to be, I don't think – I think their offense is good enough where it can cover the defensive defense's warts. They don't have to be spectacular. They just need to make plays when it matters most. So the Raiders, I like them. If they were in any other division, I'd actually pick them to win it. But because they're in the AFC West, I have no idea where they can they finish. I think they can finish last. I can think I think they can win the division, but I that the whole division is just a man. I don't know who's gonna win it. Denver looks good. The Chargers look good, and even the Raiders look good. So it's fair game in that division at this point. So. 
I wanted to say first, I completely agree that that is anyone's division. You brought up a good point, and I was going to bring it up as well. It's just like Fresno State connection, man. Like, there's connections, like, everyone's more friendly to each other when you know who the person is. But anyways, I do want to move on with baseball coming up. I want to talk about Pirates spring training. First things first, O'Neal Cruz. I think he's the real deal. Oh, I do too. And we were talking about it. he should be on this opening day roster, but we all know because the whole Super 2 role and the way the Pirates do business, he'll probably be in the minors for the first month and a half. Being wasted away down there, stuck in Indianapolis, while he could be up, up here in Pittsburgh maybe helping this team win a few more games than they probably are expected to. All right, so first things first, I'm going to just go through a lot of things now. I'm not the most optimistic. I'm an optimistic person, but when it comes to the Pirates, I'm usually very pessimistic. Uh, this started in 20, 2013 to 2015. I was optimistic. Then 2016, they make some moves. You know, you replace Pedro Alvarez with John Jaso. You trade Neil Walker. You get John Neese. You completely let. What's it? Jay Happ walk. It was a dumpster fire in 2016. You work your way back up in 2018. You get Corey Dickerson. You have Polanco, who had the best year of his career until the shoulder injury, which kind of derailed his career. I mean, you had Starling Marte. That 2018 team had a good rotation. They were in a wild card team. Like, they didn't make the wild card, but they were only a couple games out. They were 81 and 78. What do you do? You rebuild it all. And then all of a sudden, Huntington's, Huntington's gone. And I, I love the move of getting Ben Sherrington. Ben Sherrington's taken that farm system from, you know, one of the worst in the league. They're arguably a top 10 farm system team. You have Leo Vlaire, Paguero. I mean, you have Juan Hanbei, O'Neill Cruz, Rodolfo. I like what I've saw Rodolfo Castro so far. And Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis. I'm going to say it. I'm pessim- I'm optimistic this time around with Pirates baseball just because Sherrington was with the Blue Jays when they got Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. He was the reason for Xander Bogarts on the Boston Red Sox. I'm just I'm optimistic now with O'Neill Cruz, you know, Nick Gonzalez. And I'm I'm gonna say this right now. I don't think that the Pirates are the clear cut worst team in their division. I think with the I think with the Reds, they lost Eugenio Suarez, they lost Jesse Winker. I mean Sonny Gray is gone. Your their depth is depleted now. I mean you still have Vado and Mustakis. I don't know. I don't think that they're the clear-cut last team, but they're still not any good, and they still have a lot to learn. The Cubs, I think they're, I guess, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. You know, the Reds seem to be heading that that direction as well. And the Pirates, I'll say this about the Pirates. I do think they can be good in the next year or so. I would not be surprised if they fought for a playoff spot. But we all know what is going to come down the line three, four, five, six years down the road. We know know what's going to happen. They're going to trade all these players and they're going to start over. And that's just not healthy for the game of baseball. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you believe in salary cap or not. You cannot tell me that that kind of business, what they're doing, what the Reds are doing, what the A's are doing, that that's not good for the game of baseball. You know, if, if you want fans, you know, that, that's the thing about fans. This is why fandom is so difficult, depending on where you are. You get attached to these players, and then it's just there's like this tragic element to it. You know, when your front office ships them away for prospects, who might not even pan out. It's just not a good situation for anyone involved. And I wish that this whole lockout situation, I wish it would have came rather than guys X, Y, and Z happening. I wish the main focus should have been a salary cap. And clearly all 30 owners agreed to this new proposal and they don't really care much about a salary cap. So we're just going to have the same thing where the Dodgers can just sign anyone they want as per Freddie Freeman. 
And yeah, the Yankees, well, although the Yankees are kind of getting cheap here too, but you know, you catch my drift. The big market teams are just going to splurge and spend whatever the heck they want. And you're going to have teams with the Pirates who just, they're just going to do business their way. And it's not the best way. I can just, that's all I'm going to say. And they have money too. Like, it's not like the Pirates aren't, the Pirates treat it like a cheap, cheap franchise. But let's get real. Like, Bob Nutting is like, I'm pretty sure he's a pretty wealthy owner. I, don't I mean, think he's wealthy. That's, yeah, it's just like they have the money to spend it. That's why the MLB filed a grievance with them. And like, you saw the dot. I mean, look at the Reds. Like, a couple <laughs> years ago, they spent all that money. Like, you, you, they signed Castellanos, who's gone now. Castellanos, Moustakis, you know, all in the same offseason. But, you know, Castellanos is gone now. He's on the Phillies, which the Phillies always look like they're going to be a good team and kind of cool off. But with that being said, um, we're running low on time here. So uh, next week we're going to get into, with baseball season being approaching, we're going to talk more about Major League Baseball, the offseason, the winners and the losers. Obviously, I'm going to do a spoiler. I think the Dodgers getting Freddie Freeman's the big one. We're going to talk about it more. So, yeah. All right, this has been the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you next week. Have a great day, everyone.